Hi, and welcome to the Your Good News podcast with me, Catherine Getty. It's easy to believe the news around us that the world is dark and the future is the same. But what if we chose something different? What if we chose to find the good news in each day? This podcast is a collection of interviews with friends, mentors, colleagues on their good news. From business to health to politics and everything in between, it's my hope that you leave with a boost and find your good news. My next guest, Ali Papa, is a dear friend I met while working at a national party committee. Ali is a force of nature. Connecticut-born, D.C. resident, she brings her vision and care to every project she touches. Today, we delve deeper into her experience in a tough working environment. We also delve into how she launched a business in the middle of a global pandemic. May you be interested in politics or working to create a business or something in between. Allie shares some really good nuggets that you can apply. Without further ado, my interview with Allie Papa. Allie, I couldn't be more excited for our conversation today. So as I begin each conversation, Allie, what's your good news? I have to say that my good news is that I have taken up cooking again, um, which you've known me for a few years. So you know that it's something that I've loved to do. Um, And I like to look online, like get inspiration from recipes and stuff, but create my own dishes. And I feel like in a world where we work constantly and a lot of our identity is tied to our jobs, it's important to um, find the little things that make you happy. So uh, that's been really good for me for the past few weeks, I guess. I I couldn't agree more. Are there any recipes in particular during quarantine that you've kind of like gone to, you know, anything that people should give it a whirl? Mm, I did make my own French onion soup recently, and I would highly recommend Highly recommend. It's a little time consuming. You got to caramelize the onions for 45 minutes, but in the end, it's worthwhile. I'm now salivating. I cannot wait to go get your recipe. Um, We'll add it into when I post about this. We'll have to get your recipe that you use. Sounds great. In the pre-show, I was able to share your background with the listeners, and you have such a unique perspective on politics, being in politics for nearly a decade. How did you get started? That is a great question. Um, I moved to DC after college, uh, really not knowing what I wanted to do. And I interned on Capitol Hill. And then after that, I got a full-time job at a think tank, honestly, as the office manager, just answering the phones and things like that. Um, But I certainly missed the excitement of working in politics. So I just met with anyone who would get coffee with me or a drink with me um, and ask them their advice. And different options and avenues that I could take within politics. And I met with someone who told me that uh, she worked in fundraising and they were, this is the end of 2012, and they were hiring uh, people to work there in 2013. And she said it didn't really matter if I had very little experience working in fundraising. So I just kind of went for it and went in for the interview and got the job and took it when they called me, which I would not recommend that anybody do. Necessarily. <laughs> you should probably hang up, take a minute, think about it. But luckily it worked out well for me because I, I still work in fundraising. So, I mean, there's such great advice there of like really kind of building that network and building that community. I feel like not only in DC, but everywhere it's sometimes not just what's on your resume, but who you know and how you can make those connection points. 
What about the excitement of fundraising drew you to it? Was it, you know, meeting goals or was it the challenge? Tell people a little bit more about that. I think that one thing I love about fundraising is you really see the results of your work pretty immediately. Um, That is very motivating for me. So, you know, you had a successful event or you hit your fundraising goal. I mean, it's very obvious in the numbers if you did a good job or not. So, but I do like that immediate satisfaction. Um, And, and I like that every day is different. Um, You could be working on a day of scheduled meetings for someone, or you could be working on a huge event that maybe has 500, 1,000 people at it. You could be working on a donor weekend retreat that is full of different speakers and things like, and events for donors to attend to. So I think it's nice that everything, that everything is, every day is different. Um, and yeah. that you never sort of know what it's going to bring for you. I think it's, it makes, makes the job so much more exciting, but were there skills that you kind of had to lean on, you know, as you were kind of navigating fundraising and through the years um, to kind of be successful? Definitely uh, people skills for one. And you, I mean, you can't be afraid to pick up the phone and call someone. And these days, no one calls anyone. Everything is email or text. And you really have to pick up the phone and call people and have a conversation with them. Um, So you can't be afraid of that, which um, is certainly is something that I've had to work on and get over. And even still today, sometimes I'm like, oh, I got to make a bunch of calls. I got to psych myself up for this. Like, I got to put my game face on and get ready to chit chat and be friendly, you know, even if I'm not in the mood. But, um, but that's something that definitely is something I've had to lean on. And then I think too, people sometimes think of fundraising as a a glamorous job and it can be very wonderful. You can go to different, uh, you can get to travel to fun places sometimes and stay in nice hotels. That's also, that's been very fun, but at the same time, it is a grind and, you're putting in hours and hours on an Excel spreadsheet or um, just making call sheets at your computer. It, it really is a grind a lot of the time. So that is also something you have to be able to like, just put your head down and say, you know, I'm going to get through this huge list that I have to get through, or I need to put together X, Y, Z for a client. Um, and you just have to kind of be willing to put in the, the grunt work as well. Absolutely. I think the, I mean, the people skills, like I remember when I first, I too was new to fundraising a few years ago and it was like, oh, I have to talk to strangers like all the time. So it's a constant, like you have to kind of tune yourself into like being in that mode. And I think it's proven to be very helpful. And it also sounds like you have to kind of live in those details. So you mentioned also, besides like kind of tuning those people skills that you do these large scale events, and we got to work together. And during that time, you were doing an event for I like to say 3000 of our closest friends. What is, you know, planning an event like that? How do you make everything be seamless? And that's a very multifaceted question. So you can attack it however you want to. Sure, absolutely. Uh, I think one day at a time. Um, obviously, you worked with me when we worked on this large event, and it is truly a three month process, maybe longer. So, it is really 
you have to be so organized and make a timeline of when things are due and when things have to be completed and just take it day by day. Because if you think about the massive over, like undertaking that you have, it's going to be too overwhelming. So you just have to take it one piece at a time. And for our event, there was a fundraising part of it, but then there was also seeding this large, um, large event with different surrogates that people wanted to sit with and then working on the speaker and production. So you just have to focus on one thing at a time. Like the first month is all fundraising and then you move on to the next thing. So I think just taking it one day at a time and keeping yourself as organized as possible is the best way. And I will also say that it can be super overwhelming when you have a lot of pressure on yourself to to put together a really large event. And um, our our old boss actually gave me some great advice. And she said to me, um, you know, on days when I would be in a bad mood or something would go wrong, or I just maybe wasn't being my best uh, at the office. She said to me, um, you know, people are going to remember how people aren't necessarily going to remember that the event was great or not. They're going to remember how it was working with you on that event. And, you know, she said it in a nice way, but essentially like if you're a bitch to everyone in the office, people are going to remember that you were a bitch, not that your event was really good. So I think too, just being patient with everybody, everyone's working as a team towards the same goal. No one's working against you. So I think that's also important is to, is to give everyone a little grace and and be patient with others. So it's like mic mic drop. I mean, I think it's, you know, may you be working on a fundraising event or you're at a project or you're working with students or you're working with your family, like taking things down like one bit at a time is such a good reminder. And it sounds like I feel like even saying it, I'm like, that's trite. But I feel like oftentimes we're like you get in the mode of like it's overwhelming and you can sit in that or you can choose to like take it bit by bit and make sure that you're, you know, patient with everyone, which is oftentimes not easy in DC. It can be challenging. (laughs) So kind of pivoting a little bit, you know, your Mm -hmm. career has spanned multiple different party committees. So for folks that are not in the DC area, party committees, basically they have fundraising components, they have um, membership components, they work with members of Congress or uh, members elected leaders, and your goal is to either retain, you know, a House or Senate majority, or to win back those House or Senate majorities, or also ensure that there are more of your certain party, and you know, elected. And so you have done both a House party committee as well as like a national party committee. What has been, you know, the most interesting part of working with large personalities? Because I'm sure there's stories you can't always tell us. Um, but what has that taught you about kind of how you interact with people? Yes, there are definitely a lot of big personalities. I mean, and in any industry, but especially in politics and at party committees and also fundraising is female dominated. So I will be honest, it can definitely get a little catty at times. So, uh, yes. So I think that over the years and I haven't always been the best at this, but two things, and it sounds kind of silly and simple, but two things that I've learned is to just always be honest and always be nice to people, Um, which again, sounds so silly, but, um, you know, even back to what I was saying before, where you want to work well with your team, even though you're under a lot of pressure and working on a large event, but 
people are going to remember what it was like to work with you. And I think when I was younger and maybe a little insecure about my standing in the office, I wasn't always friendly to new hires or new people, which you might have had some experience with, which I love that we're great friends now. But (laughs) I think trying to be intimidating doesn't make you a better fundraiser. It just makes you intimidating in the office and people not want to work with you as much. So what's the point in trying to be that person when, again, it reflects it has nothing to do with your work product, I guess. And I think too, I had someone recently that I work with now uh, that I worked with in my previous job. Um, She's working on a client of mine and she's doing a great job um, and it's a Senate primary. And she told me, you know, that other people had reached out to her and asked her to work on different races. And she said, honestly, you were the only person who was nice to me last year. And that is one of the biggest compliments I could ever hear from someone. And she's doing an amazing job for us. She's crushing it. We're so happy to have her on the team. So so it's it's someone I loosely worked with. I wouldn't have thought twice about it, but truly she signed on with my client because I was nice to her. And so you just never know when things are going to come full circle or you're going to work with someone again in the future. And politics is a pretty small world. So chances are, if you are mm-hmm. for a while, you're going to work with people again at a, a certain point. Um, and I think also just always being honest is is obviously very important. I, there are plenty of fundraisers I've worked with who exaggerate their capacity to raise and, you know, are maybe dishonest about pledges and things don't come in in the end and you don't end up hitting your goals. I mean, honestly, I have worked with people who have been incredibly territorial. I I had an incident this um, past summer where another fundraiser didn't like that I was working in a market that she works in. And she actually went behind my back and tried to get a meeting canceled that I had already scheduled. So it can be pretty savage out there at times. But I think, again, <laughs> like I, I'm just always honest with clients about what's realistic. I'm not going to get upset if, you know, some, some fundraisers get territorial. There's just no reason to do that. There are a lot of donors out there and they are allowed to know multiple fundraisers and that's okay. And there's no reason to try and sabotage anyone because again, you just never know who you're going to work with in the future. So I always try to be nice and honest to everyone that I work with, I guess. Well, I think that those like two pieces of advice are like so applicable to many facets of our lives. And I think it's a good reminder that like what you like sow is what you reap. And oftentimes we like, I too felt like when in DC, like you felt like you had to fit into a box is how I like, I was like, I have to be tough. And I was like, that is like, I'm a teddy bear. Everyone knows this, you know, I'm a sensitive Sally, wear my heart on my sleeve. We know this too, but it's like, that's who I am. And I show up the best when I'm like that. So it's a good reminder that like, lean into your strengths and also just be nice and honest. Just be it's nice simple, guys. <laughs> it's, it's not as I feel like I feel like oftentimes the things we talk about in this podcast is like we learned it in kindergarten, but somewhere along the lines we like stopped actually practicing what we preach. So maybe I should re retool this to be, you know, pro kindergarten lessons. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? You reference, you know, it can be a pretty tough world in fundraising. You know, besides the being honest and nice, are there any other ways that you've found to kind of keep true to yourself and where you want to go and how you want to achieve a goal? Like, do you ever feel like 
that's kind of impeded by people? And how do you kind of beat that back? Um, it definitely can be, um, just because like I said, it's super competitive. Um, and there are a lot of good fundraisers out there who are going after the the same top donors that you are, or trying to sign the same clients that you are. Um, but again, I think, I guess maybe more recently since I've started uh, doing consulting and signing on with clients on my own instead of working in house somewhere, um, making sure that you know it's a right it's the right fit for me because just because someone's a great client doesn't mean that they're necessarily the right fit for me or for. The donors that I have great relationships with um, that just not might not be a good match. I, you know, interviewed with a client back in um, in the beginning of the year in February, and they never got back to me and hired somebody else. And I was pretty bummed about it at the time because I was just starting to sign on clients, and I thought, oh, that would have been such a good one for me. And as I've seen this campaign evolve, it's become very clear that it was not going to be a good match for me. And it would certainly not have worked out and it probably would have ended poorly. So I think learn, like seeing that, looking back on that and thinking, okay, I got to make sure that the team I'm working with is a, I don't know, they, you know, they're going to be respectful to me. They're going to treat me well. They're going to give me the tools I need to be successful and vice versa. So I think making sure mm-hmm. that you're working with the right people um, because it, it can make a big difference. And I know some other people that I, um, that also are in fundraising have signed on with clients where it hasn't worked out um, and they feel really burned and taken advantage of. And obviously you never want to feel that way. So I think making sure yeah. you're working with the right people is always important. It's like listening to your gut, like you, yes. like making sure it's like the right fit. Well, you referenced um, that you are now consulting, and so let's let's transition to talk about that. In 2021, you have launched your own business, which has been so exciting to watch unfold. You know, what was it like to take that leap? Terrifying, to be honest, it was terrifying, and it's something that I had thought about for a few years, and I knew that it probably at least six months before I did this, that I was going to do it. Um, And I think, again, just like when I got my first job in fundraising, I talked to a bunch of different people that had done the same thing. Um, And obviously, like that can go for any industry if you're wanting to start your own business. I just talked to other fundraisers and I talked to multiple fundraisers. I didn't just talk to one person. I got everybody's advice on what they were working on, also letting them know, hey, I'm doing this. You know, If you have a client that you don't have time for, but you think might be a good fit for me, send them my way because that certainly happens. And so letting everybody know what I was doing, I think was helpful for when I was trying to find clients and then just getting their advice. I mean, I think the financial aspect was the scariest part because obviously I went from up until that point getting a paycheck twice a month. And then now I mostly make money on commission. Um, So that was particularly terrifying. So I made sure that I had like at least three months saved up where I felt comfortable that I might not make any money for at least three months. I also, it could, I was like, it could be six months. I actually have no idea. I do a lot of fundraising in the Midwest and the most, the busiest time for me and where I make the most money is probably in the spring. So again, I was like, I might not 
get a pay, you know, get paid on anything until April, May. I have no idea, which is very scary. Um, but you know, I made sure that I saved money. All the bonuses I got in my last job went right to my savings account. I just thought, you know what? Sure. You want to treat yourself, but don't just put it in the bank. (laughs) You'll feel better about this later. Um, so I think that was, that was very helpful. I mean, and just all the logistics of like starting an LLC. I actually talked to a previous guest of yours, Chris Winkleman, who's a lawyer, who is incredibly helpful with that, sort of helping me a little bit outline the process because really you you don't want to obviously mess that up and have an issue with like your taxes or something moving forward. So that was helpful. So really I just leaned on I leaned on the people that I knew that had done this before um, and got as much as advice as I possibly could and and took it from there. I mean, it's like getting the advice, like getting the logistics, mm-hmm. you know, making sure your ducks in a row. It's like all the things you've done probably for other roles, but you just applied it to creating your own business. And it's a good reminder that like doing that detail-oriented work is, a, is really important to make sure, you know, IRS jail, I'm sure it's a terrible place. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure it is. <laughs> but that's, I mean, what other, is there any other advice you would offer to people who are thinking about making that leap? Um, I would say that um, uh, one thing that has been very helpful for me, um, I, I have my own LLC and consulting firm, and I also have partnered with some other fundraisers um, on other projects. And I'm so grateful for my business partners because it is a little isolating going from working in an office to working by yourself. And I know a lot of people work from home these days, but I'm sure that in your office, you're still on some Zoom meetings or interacting with people daily from your office where really I might be talking to different clients or some donors, but it's really just me. So I've been really reliant on my business partners. Um, and it could, it could be anyone, you know, I've, talk to other fundraisers that I don't necessarily partner with, but just having someone to bounce an idea off of or vent about something that you're going through, or maybe they're going through something similar. Um, you know, I was talking to a fundraiser the other day and I was saying, oh, this client is so challenging to raise money for right now. And she was like, oh, I know it's been brutal. I mean, at least just having someone to that's going through the same thing that you can talk to about what you're dealing with because you don't have you don't have a boss to go to to say, hey, I'm having this problem. Do you have any ideas on how I can solve this or any solutions? You're really just on your own. And as a consultant, you're expected to be the expert, which is really scary at first. And I think imposter syndrome is very much a thing. But of course, I went from working somewhere where I rely on consultants to be the expert to then being the expert. And for the first few months, I'm thinking, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, how could I possibly be the expert? But, you know, you have to remind yourself that you've been doing this for nine years now and that you do know what you're doing. You have to, you know, calm down, get it together, realize that you did this for a reason and people hired you because they thought that you knew what you were doing and, you know, it's going to be okay. But I do think that having a really good support system when you work for yourself is particularly important. I mean, even my now husband, which sounds a little weird to say, just got married a few weeks ago. Um, you know, he works in politics, but he mostly has worked in comms. And so sometimes I just talk to him about 
stuff that I'm dealing with. And he has a completely different perspective on a problem than I do. And so hearing his side or what he thinks would be best is super helpful. So I think that has been one of the the greatest things that I have found is having some people um, that you can rely on that support you. That's awesome. I mean, I think having people to validate or at least like feel like you're not talking into like the unknown, like the space like has got to be really helpful. And I mean, you've just crushed it this year. And for anyone who's thinking about starting their business, you know, listen to Allie's advice. She's got lots of it. You mentioned in an answer recently about imposter syndrome. I know it's something that I I think everyone kind of deals with. It's like, is everyone going to realize that I am a fraud? I know starting this podcast, I was like, is anyone going to know that I have no idea what I'm doing? But uh, how have you kind of navigated that um, imposter syndrome and any tips you would give listeners? Yeah, it is scary when you start a business and, or, you know, start consulting or do something where you don't, I don't know, feel a hundred percent confident, uh, in yourself. And like I said earlier, I worked, used to work with consultants where I would rely on them as, uh, the expert. And then all of a sudden I was the expert where clients were asking me my advice on what to do. Whereas I usually had that security blanket of discussing it with someone else and, you know, bringing my ideas and their ideas to my boss and saying, this is what I think we should do or something like that. Um, But I think you just have to remember why you, you know, started your business or whatever venture you're doing and why I wanted to start my own consulting firm for fundraising. I've been doing this for a long time. And it's not, you don't have to be like, you don't have to have the most donor relationships or the most experience. Um, but as long as you work hard, if you put the work in, you're going to be successful. And that's the little things, not being lazy and just emailing people, like picking up the phone, having real conversations with someone, cultivating your relationships with donors and clients and things like that. I mean, if you, I think that you can be successful if you really put the time and the effort in. I don't, I'm, I'm kind of rambling. No, I think that what you're like, what I'm hearing is like, it's like staying true to your why. And when like, when things get tough, because inevitably they're going to get tough or you're going to have a question or you're going to feel like you don't know what you're doing, remembering the why and remembering things that you've done in the past and be like, okay, I attacked this this way, or I handled this situation this way. Why don't I do this? Or why don't I reach out to that person and ask for advice? Or why don't I call that donor and just take that five minutes? So I totally hear what you're saying. And I think it's a good reminder that like sometimes we get caught up in like the exact path we're supposed to go on. And sometimes our path is not a straight line. It's a curly cue. Absolutely. And there's so much that's out of your control. That's the other thing, especially working in politics. There's so much out of your control. And so you have to be ready for anything. I, you know, set up a day of meetings for a client and a hurricane hit his district. And so he couldn't travel. That was a really unfortunate situation, but everybody was super, you know, I had, I had zero control over the weather and his travel schedule. So you can't control the weather. There's nothing I can do about that. It's unfortunate. And you just have to take everything in stride. So, you know what, he called and apologized personally to each one of those people and that's it. And we decided to reschedule for a later date. Like you just never can predict what's going to happen. Um, and things are going to 
cause problems for you, but you just have to, you know, be ready to find the solution and move forward. I mean, I feel like that is just the mic drop of the episode. I mean, from people skills and how important they can be to breaking down large projects into the details to reminding people to be honest and nice um, and to not letting that little imposter syndrome in the back of our heads rule how we show up every single day. Allie, thank you so much for all of your advice and wisdom. Um, I'm so excited for everyone to hear it. And I think we're done. The Your Good News podcast grew partially out of my time living in D.C. And in a field that is often dominated by its toughness, Allie shared tangible tips on how to stay true to yourself, how to push past imposter syndrome, even in the D.C. political world. Allie's wisdom was sage, and I can't wait to hear what you thought of it. If you liked, please share, subscribe, rate, and review, and join us next week for another episode of the Your Good News podcast.